All right, you can go ahead and be turning your Bibles to the book of Titus, the book of Titus this evening. See if I can get this wireless on. All right, I think I'm on. Can you all hear me out there? All right. We'll be in the book of Titus. You can go to chapter number two, book of Titus, chapter number two. I really struggled in what's a preach. I had something that I wanted to preach uh, tonight, and the Lord just would not get this thought off of my mind. So I'm not sure which one of you out there needs it, but uh, the Lord was bothering me with this one, so we'll preach this one tonight. Uh, I've had several people come up and ask me how I'm dealing with the Florida heat, um, and I appreciate your concern, but I did grow up in Texas. So in Texas, we do have our fair share of heat. In Texas, we have plenty of sun. I know Florida is a sun, sunshine state, but we have a lot of that in Texas too. In fact, I remember when I was a young boy, I used to love whenever the summertime came around and we had that bright Texas sun and we'd bring out our magnifying glasses. And I'm sure most of you probably know exactly where I'm going with this. But we'd take that magnifying glass and we'd get a small pile of leaves. And I remember one time in particular, I was with a couple of my brothers, and we took a couple of piles of leaves, and we were out on the bank of our pond, and we decided, you know what, we're not just going to burn a hole or etch something in a piece of wood with this magnifying glass. We want to actually start a fire this time. And so I remember we get a, a pile of leaves, and it had been a couple weeks since we had rain, and the Texas ground, it was dry, and it started cracking, and we didn't think about the fact that there was dry grass underneath those leaves. And I remember getting those leaves to the point where the sun wasn't just burning through it, but it finally we saw a little flame. And within seconds, I remember the grass around it was completely consumed with fire. And luckily, we were on the bank of our pond, so we got a five-gallon bucket and dumped it out pretty quick. Uh, but anyways, that was, that was my rant on the Texas sun. But uh, if you would, go ahead and go to Titus chapter 2, verse number 13. And I promise that story will have a, a purpose here in just a minute. Verse number 13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. And I like how the Lord gives us the very definition of his people that he wants here in the very last phrase, and that's the one I want to focus in on tonight, zealous of good works. And that brings us to the title of the message. The title of the message tonight is an all-consuming fire for God, an all-consuming fire for God. And let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come into your house, Lord. I pray that we wouldn't uh, Lord, come through here and endure it, but Lord, we would make the most of the opportunity. Lord, I pray that uh, the people here of Emmanuel Baptist Church would not hear the words of Lauren Jackson, but Lord, that they would hear you speaking through me. Lord, I pray that you would work in hearts, work in lives, Lord, as you have in mind. Use this message for your honor, for its name that we pray. Amen. Webster's Dictionary defines the word zeal as eagerness and ardent interest in pursuit of something. From this, we can gather the Lord's very definition of his people. And if you read that verse again, but this time I want to input that definition to kind of help us study our Bible out. Look again at verse number 14. The Bible says, who gave himself for us. Why? That he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Now insert that definition, eager and ardently interested in the pursuit 
of good works. I find it interesting that the Lord describes the Christian as somebody who is eager and ardently interested in the pursuit of good works. You know, people are passionate about many different things. You can go to any arena in the world and you will find that one person in a blizzard when it's freezing cold outside at a football game that decides they're going to go shirtless with their football team stamped right on their chest. Why? Because people are passionate about their sports. I am passionate about some sports teams. I won't tell you who they are because you would laugh at me. But I am passionate about sports teams. We all know that one person who can tell you every stat of their favorite player, every stat of their favorite team from the last 50 years. They've got it all mapped out and planned out. They know the projections of what's going to happen in the next draft. They've got it all together. Why? Because they're passionate about that sport. Some people are passionate about hobbies. Up until a couple years ago when I met my wife, I did not know that a cricket was something other than fishing bait. Apparently, it's a machine that you use for crafting. And I, I sat there yesterday and watched my wife craft and craft away with a cricket that did not chirp. Why? Because it's a hobby. It's something that she is greatly interested in. She's passionate about. Some people are passionate about their possessions, always thinking about the next purchase that they can make, the new set of clothes they can have, the new pair of shoes, the better house, the better truck, the nicer things, and they're always thinking about that next plate of food that they can buy from their favorite restaurant. Why? Because people are passionate about their possessions. But I notice that people are also passionate about their work. You know, when I worked for a job where I clocked in and I clocked out, I made sure that I wanted to be the hardest working individual that, that company had. Why? Because I was passionate about my work. And it's good to be passionate about your work. Some people are passionate about moving up the ladder. Some people are passionate about trying to be the CEO of the company or trying to be the next shift supervisor or trying to be the biggest, best thing that that company has ever seen. And to that, I applaud you. But may I say that there is more to life than being passionate about these things. The question that I have for tonight is this. We always have enough time we always have enough energy. We always have enough money for those things about which we are passionate. But here's the real question that I want to get to tonight. What about the things of God? What about the things of God in our life? And this is what I ask, that we would all be completely honest with yourself. Because I'll tell you, sometimes when you're reading your Bible and you're studying it, it's like the Lord throws you in a dryer, shuts the door, and just tumbles you around and skins you up one side and down the other, telling you and revealing to you your own heart. And I pray that tonight we would begin to see that our passion, our true passion, our true zeal should be about the things of God. We know that God wants us to be zealous. We read the verse in 14 where he said he desires his people to be zealous of good works. We also know that God wants us to be zealous because of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 7 where the Lord describes his ministers as a flame of fire. We also know God wants us to be zealous because of Revelation chapter 3 verse 17. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. We know that God wants us to be zealous because of 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 31, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, Isaiah chapter 37, 32, where all three verses say the same thing. They say, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do this. I think it's interesting to note that God describes himself as being zealous. God has set the example for the kind of passion and the kind of zeal that we should have for the things of God. I think it's humorous whenever people 
read the Old Testament or people refer back to the Old Testament and they say, oh, look at the destruction and the devastation that the Lord caused. Look at the people that he killed. You know, God is out of control and they confuse God's zeal for God's emotion. And they say, oh, you know, how could a loving God do that? But I say, hey, don't mix zeal and emotion. Webster's Dictionary describes emotion as a mental reaction experienced a strong feeling accompanied by behavioral or physiological changes. And may I say, my God does not react to mankind. You cannot control God. He changes not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is zealous. He is in control. And he is eager and ardently interested in your life. Do not confuse emotion with zeal in your life. You see, zeal will stand the long haul when emotion peters out. Passion will build a bus route. Emotion will get you to the bus until the work begins. A fire for God will see souls saved. Emotion will get you to a few doors until the weather is too hot. Zeal will keep you in the choir. Emotion will lead you to join the choir until your alarm interrupts your Sunday nap. Amen. A burning passion for God will help you to stick to the decisions you make during an invitation. Emotion will dissipate by the time a service is over and you've reached your car. Emotion will get you to volunteer for ministry. A zeal for God will keep you in it. I'm not saying that a zeal for God is something that should be shown as fireworks. A zeal for God is not somebody who comes and does cartwheels and runs up and down the aisles. If so, then I would be the, the worst in line because I am not a very animated person typically. But God says, hey, a person who has zeal, not emotion, that's the kind of Christian that I want. I want you to be zealous of good works. I do not pretend to know how God We'll use this message individually or in our lives tonight. But my desire is that we would see the spirit of Isaiah in some hearts tonight. Some people that would say, here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, I want a little bit of zeal. Here am I, Lord, give me some extra passion. Here am I, Lord, revive my spirit. I desire to see our fervor for lost souls rekindled, our commitment to the house of God renewed, our dedication to ministry made stronger, our thirst for God to be made unquenchable. I desire to see the people of Emmanuel Baptist Church with an all-consuming fire for God. How do we get from the point that we are now to this point where we are the kind of Christian with the kind of passion and zeal that God requires? It's very simple. I'm used to preaching in junior church. There is no such thing as a message that is not simple for me. Let's look at three men in the Bible who were zealous for the Lord and learn from them. The first man we're going to look at tonight is the man of David. We all know David well. I know pastors have been preaching several messages about him. David said in Psalm 119 verse 39, my zeal hath consumed me. My zeal hath consumed me. I wonder if we took a peek into our heart's window and we were completely and utterly honest with ourselves and before God, if we could assess the value of our passion for the things of God, our desire for the work of God, if we could look into ourselves, I wonder if some of us even have any zeal at all. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 17 says, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate, and an helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing, and was clad with zeal as a cloak. I really like this statement, because this statement almost gives the impression that it surrounded him. His zeal was as obvious as the clothes which he wore. It was evident that Jesus was full 
of zeal. I wonder if we have a testimony that when people see us, it's as obvious as the clothes that we wear, that we have a desire to serve God, that we have a passion for the things of God. I wonder if they would point and say, now there's a person with an eager and ardent interest to pursue the things of God. An old preacher of the past said, the mark of a saint is not perfection, but consecration. A saint is not a man without faults, but a man who has given himself without reserve to God. That sounds like David. That sounds like a man who, yes, he made mistakes, but he was always willing to come back and consecrate himself to the Lord and give himself for God. So the question is this, what stimulated this great zeal for the things of God in the life of David? The answer can be found in Psalm chapter 69 and verse 9, where David simply quotes this thing, for the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Talk about somebody who sounded like he was full of a passion to want to be in God's house. That is David. You ever have a thought and just eats away at your mind? You can't get rid of it until finally you become obsessed with it? That was David when it came to the house of God. David had a great desire to be in God's house. He longed for it. And I wonder, why do we see no great zeal for God in the Christians of today? It's because for too long, we have neglected the house of God. And you say, Brother Jackson, I show up. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every time the doors are open, I am here. But I would say this, faithful church attendance alone does not equal a consuming passion for God. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, we'll read a few verses here to show the point. John chapter 2 and verse number 13, it says... The Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence. Make not my father's house in house of merchandise. You see, Jesus was not content to just show up at the temple Jesus was not content to just go through the motions of church. Jesus desired a holy and a pure worship in the house of God. Jesus had a passion for the things of God. You say, how is it that they got to this point? Well, I'll tell you what. Something my mama used to say to me all the time, you get out of it what you put into it. Oh, I remember we'd go off to church camp or something, and we'd come back, and my mom would say, well, how did you like this activity? How did you like the preaching? What about this? What about that? And if she would ask me something, and I'd say, ah, it's okay. Okay. You know what she'd tell me? You get out of it what you put into it. If I used to go to an activity and I'd come back and she'd say, Lauren, how was it? And I'd say, eh, it was okay. What do you think your answer would be? You get out of it what you put into it. I went off to college. One of the last words my parents said to me was, hey, you get out of it what you put into it. And I decided, you know what? Why not just give it my all? My, or my, my grandfather used to tell me all the time, he's like, wherever you are, be all there. I have to tell my wife that constantly as well. Wherever you are, be all there. The problem is in our churches today, we get to the point where we can hear a message and by the time we hit the back door, we've forgotten what it was about. We can sing all the hymns, word perfect, line for line, never miss a beat. We've got it nailed down and our mind is a thousand miles away. We don't have a consuming passion for the things of God like we should. Do you enjoy or do you endure God's house? If you endure God's house and you don't enjoy it, then I would say 
say to you tonight, you're probably lacking a zeal. You're probably lacking a passion for the things of God. And if so, then that should trouble you that there's something wrong. May I say, would you ask yourself the question tonight and be honest with yourself? I can't see into your mind. I cannot see into your heart. Why do we come to church? Why do we come here? Is it so, oh, I can please the person that I'm beside or somebody's expecting me to be here? Or do we come to get something from the Spirit of God? Every single one of us should spend time in prayer. We should spend time expecting to hear from the Lord every time we come to church. We should get an all-consuming fire for the house of God. The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Hey, I think it'd be good sometimes to let our pastor know that we're excited to be in church. It'd be good sometimes to give him a few extra amens. It'd be good to let him know that we appreciated the message. It'd be good to let him know that we're praying for him. Pastor, we can't wait to see what you've got for us this Wednesday night. Hey, it's good to want to be in the house of God. The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Secondly, we're going to look at the man of Jeremiah. We know David well. We know Jeremiah well. Jeremiah chapter 20 verse 9 says... Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. Jeremiah had a consuming fire for God. Why is it? He told us, but his word was in my heart. Jeremiah tried to stop it. He tried to contain it. He tried to hold it in, but he could not. He had to let the world know about his God. And oh, that we have people today with the spirit in the house of God. You wonder why you have to endure the house of God? It's because you don't spend enough time in the word of God. Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 29 says, is not my word like as a fire? If you're not on fire for God is because you're not in the word. Why is your zeal lacking? It's because your time in the Bible is probably lacking. Why do you have no desire to be in God's house? Because you have no desire to be in God's word. Why do you, do you ever stop and look around and think, man, the bus captain's excited to be on the bus this morning. The Sunday school teacher's excited to be here. So-and-so sure is looking forward to the message. Why is it that they're always excited about some things when I just can't seem to quite get on board? Why is it that they're more excited than I am? I'll tell you why. It's because they probably spent more time in the Word of God, and it prepares them for the house of God. They've got a passion for the things of God. C.H. Spurgeon said, the worst forms of depression are cured when the Holy Scripture is believed. You ever feel like you're down in the dumps? You ever feel like church is a drudgery? You ever feel like you just can't get over that valley, and you just can't seem to live on the mountaintop? Try spending a little bit of extra time in the Word of God, and you'll see some of those things start to dissipate. D.L. Moody said, God's Word was not given to inform you. It was given to transform you. Hey, God does not want Christians that just look at the Bible as a list of do's and don'ts. God wants people who are passionate about it. God does want us to be mechanical Christians that show up to church, that sing the songs, that endure the preaching, and head out and live our lives. No, God wants us to do a great and a mighty work, and he wants us to enjoy doing it. God has provided the power of an all-consuming fire in his word. He's given us the fuel to do it, and it's in this book. Christians do not have an all-consuming fire for God because they are not consumed with the Bible. Where does pastors drive? Where does pastor's desire come from? Where does he get his vision? I'll tell you where he gets it. He gets it in time spent in the Word of God. 
How do people stay faithful for decades? It's because they spend time in the Word of God. How do people develop a zeal for the Lord? They spend time daily in the Word of God. This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. You ever found out the more you read the Bible, the more the Bible gets a hold of you, the more you can do for God. Let's look at a third man. And lastly, the man named Phineas. We know well the story of David. We know well the story of Jeremiah. But I want to look at a man named Phineas. Turn your Bibles to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 25. We're going to learn about this man. Numbers chapter 25. We'll begin reading in verse number 10. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, hath turned my wrath away from the children of Israel, while he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consumed not the children of Israel in my jealousy. To give you a little background of these verses, some of the men of Israel had joined themselves to the wicked nation Baal Peor, and they bowed and sacrificed to false gods. There was one young man of this group in particular that takes a forbidden woman of uh, the Midianite people. And with no shame, these two flaunt themselves in front of the man of God and the people of God inside the camp of God. And they know that they are going to commit a terrible sin in front of everybody, and they just simply do not care. And we find that the children of Israel, they all drop to their knees, they drop to their faces, they start weeping uncontrollably, and they're looking up to God and they're saying, why? But the problem is, is they were all relying simply on their emotions. They let their emotions take control. But we see one man by the name of Phineas who did not rely on his emotions, although I'm sure he shed a tear just like everybody else, but his zeal for God led him to do something, even something hard. And Phineas takes a javelin and he finds those two wicked sinners that are flaunting themselves in the face of God and God was going to destroy the Israelite camp and Phineas says nope I'll take care of that myself he takes that javelin he runs them through and he gets rid of the sin in the camp and because of that God says Phineas I'm going to bless you I'm going to bless your children forever Phineas had a zeal for the things of God. I'm not advocating that we have to do what Phineas did, but I am declaring that a true zeal, as an all-consuming fire for the things of God, will lead you to do something for God. A true passion, a true zeal, does not let you be a do-nothing Christian. A true zeal for God will lead you to do something. So what do we learn from Phineas? A zealous Christian is an active Christian. A passionate Christian is an active Christian. The first thing our zeal will drive us to action for is in eradicating the sin in our life. What was Phineas doing? Phineas was getting rid of the sin in the camp. Look at 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 16. The Bible says, this is Jehu speaking. Jehu said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. His zeal could be seen. Why? Because he was acting it out. They could see it. It drove him to action. 
Continue reading, it says, So they made him ride in his chariot. And when he came to Samaria, he slew all that remained unto Ahab in Syria till he had destroyed him. Jehu didn't mess around when there was wickedness in his country. Jehu said, you know what? I'm going to annihilate the wickedness. I'm going to be zealous about it. God's fire consumes until there's nothing left of us, nothing left of our sin, nothing left of our wickedness, only a fire that God can use. That pile of leaves that I mentioned, whenever, whenever uh, we set that fire to those leaves, those leaves vanish in a moment. I mean, the fire just completely consumed it. That's what God wants to see in the lives of every Christian. God says, you know what? I don't need you. I need you so I can put myself through you. We are just the conduit for the Holy Spirit. God doesn't want what you and I have to offer. All we need to do is say, God, consume me. Get rid of me. I love the song where it says, search me, O God. Try me and know my thoughts. Hey, what is it saying? It's saying, God, consume me with your fire. Get rid of the wickedness. Clean out my life, and surely fire can purify us. We should be zealous to take action against sin and protect ourselves from compromise. Remember David, when David was not where he was supposed to be, and when he was supposed to be there, David fell into adultery. Likewise, when we are not zealous about God's house, and we are not passionate about our walk with God, you can expect for compromise to come. You can expect for wickedness to be present in your life. Why? Because you are not allowing your zeal to take action in getting rid of the sin in our lives. Revelation 3.17, we read it once, I'll read it again. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. What is God saying when he says that? God is saying, hey, you know you got sin in your life. Let the fire of God clean it out. Let me clean it out of your life. Let me show it to you. But beyond that, be zealous about it. Hey, we've got Christians today. They know that they're letting their standard drop. They know that they're allowing compromise into their homes. And yet, they're very lackadaisical to do anything about it. They say, you know what? I know I'm not as strict on this as I used to be, but that's okay. Maybe someday I'll pick it up again. And God says, no, I need you to be zealous, therefore, and repent. We've got Christians today in our churches that fill the pews week in and week out all across America that they sit there with wickedness in their life and they have no intentions of doing anything to eradicate that wickedness and instead they say nope I'll be fine and God says be zealous therefore and repent stop mully groving stop kicking the can down the road it's time to get rid of the sin in your life and it's time to do it now first of all our zeal will drive us to action in eradicating the sin in our life secondly our zeal will drive us to action in service to God particularly soul winning particularly soul winning Remember Jeremiah? Jeremiah said his word was in his heart, and he tried to hold it in. He tried to keep it back. Jeremiah, he said, God, it's not worth it. I'm the only one standing for you. I'm the only one being a witness for you. I'm just going to hold it in. I'm going to stop. The people don't care. And he said, I couldn't do it. I had the house of God. I had the word of God. And I had to be a soul winner. I had to tell somebody how they could get to heaven. I had to let them know who my God is. Hey, that's the kind of Christian that God wants. Somebody with enough passion. Somebody with enough zeal to go out and to knock on some doors. Somebody with enough passion and enough zeal to go out and lead somebody to the Lord. Jesus said in John chapter 4 verse 35, Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Jesus said, hey, what are you sitting around for? Why stand ye here all the day idle? Hey, it's time to get out into the fields. It's time to start doing it now. Don't put it off. The reason we don't see as many people saved in America anymore is because we 
we've lost our burden. We've lost our zeal. A sold-out Christian is a soul-winning Christian. You say, Brother Jackson, I can't be there on Saturday mornings. Well, then what I'm about to say should cheer you up. Soul-winning is not something that happens only on Saturday mornings. Soul-winning is a part of who you are. It's what you do. Hey, today is Father's Day. I praise the Lord that I had a father who was a soul-winner, not just on Saturday morning, but at every restaurant we went to, every grocery store we stepped in, everywhere we went, a father who was constantly leading people to the Lord, soul winning, getting people to church. And you know what? That set an example for me that said, hey, soul winning is not just something we do for a couple hours. It's a part of who we are. And if it's not a part of who you are, then I would say maybe we should double check our passion for the things of God. Double check our our reason for being here. Hey, the purpose of the church is to facilitate the gospel into a lost and dying world. And if the church is not fulfilling that commission, then why are we here today? Jesus says, hey, lift up your eyes and look on the field. Hey, look into the hearts and minds. Even just look into the eyes of some of your neighbors. Look into the eyes of those children on the street that you live on and tell me that you are too busy to witness to them. Because if that's what you say, then I say you are too busy if you're too busy for soul winning. Hey, it's time we started developing a burden and a zeal for this. How do you build a church? I'll tell you how. Eagerness and ardent interest in the pursuit of lost souls. How do you build a bus route? Eagerness and ardent interest in the pursuit of lost souls. How do you build a Sunday school class? Eagerness and ardent interest in the pursuit of lost souls. A true zeal for God does not put off the work of the Lord. You say, Brother Jackson, that's the pastor's job. I say, no, it's your job. You say, Brother Jackson, that's the Sunday school teacher's job. I say, no, that's your job. You say, someone else will do it. I'm too busy. I don't know how to. Well, then it's time to learn. You say, well, I'm too intimidated. Well, then it's time to get some intestinal fortitude and realize we're only on this earth for a short period of time and it's time that we got zealous. It's time that we got passionate for the things of God before our lives like those leaves are gone in a moment, gone in an instant. And hey, if our life's going to be short, I'd rather be consumed with an all-consuming fire for God that's reaching out to lost souls. How much do you have to hate a person to keep the only truth from them that could save them from a lost and dying hell? Hell, how, how could you look into the eyes of a little child that comes off these bus routes and say, you know what, I don't have time to work that bus I don't have time to witness to them. When you can look into their eyes and say, you know what, I'm going to withhold from them the only truth that could save them. No, I like the way that C.H. Spurgeon said it when he said, if sinners be damned to hell, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. I pray that Emmanuel Baptist Church does not let up, does not stop until every soul in Jacksonville, Florida is reached, until every soul in Florida is reached, until every soul in America is reached, until every soul in America and all the world is reached. And you say, well, that will never happen. Well, then it looks like we've got our entire lives to fill with soul winning. Christian, you were left here on earth not to work a job, not to make the most of your life, not to get the next nicest truck, not to get the biggest house. You were here for soul winning. That is the purpose of the church. And if we are not fulfilling that, then I would question our zeal for lost souls, an all-consuming need to snatch the lost from the clutches of hell. 
Maybe it's time for our bus captains to get zealous about building our routes. Maybe it's time for our Sunday school teachers to get zealous about building our classes. Maybe it's time for our bus workers to get zealous about reaching lost souls. Maybe it's time for our members to get zealous to give to the work of God. Maybe it's time we had somebody like Isaiah to say, Here am I, Lord. Send me. I'll be a volunteer in the ministry of God. I'll be a volunteer that says, Lord, I want some extra zeal. Lord, I want some extra passion. Lord, I'll be a bus worker. Lord, I'll be a soul winner. Lord, I'll be a choir remember I'll be an usher I'll be a Sunday school teacher I'll be a pastor I'll be a missionary I'll be a layman that is sold out and consumed on fire for God zealous of good works is the way the Lord describes the Christian I wonder if we were honest with ourselves if we could say that we are completely and utterly consumed with our desire to serve the Lord I pray that that could be said about my life. And if it's not, then I pray I did all I can for the Lord. How is it in our lives tonight? Look at yourselves. Only you can answer that question. How's your zeal for God? How's your passion for the things of God? We always have time for ourselves, But do we really want to go out with a selfish mindset? Or do we want to go out pleasing the Lord as best we can? We need to be zealous for the house of God. We need to be zealous for the word of God. We need to be zealous in the service of God. It's high time we were excited to serve God again in America. I'm sick and tired of seeing a lost and dying world constantly putting a wet blanket on our fire for God. Are you devoted? Are you committed? Are you sold out? Are you separated? Are you consumed with an all-consuming fire for God? Every head bowed, every eye closed, you can stand to your feet.